Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm Nara Wang, and my guest for episode 15 is the former studio host for the Pac-12 Network and now on air with the NFL Network, Mike Yam. Mike, it's good to have you back on the show. Yeah, Nara, thanks for having me on, and certainly an exciting time, Trojans 2-0, but I know the fan base pretty well, and they're probably not content with the 2-0 start, and I can see sort of why they would feel that way, but nonetheless, I'll take a 2-0 record. Yeah, I think we'll all take the wins, but we'll dive a little bit deeper into that. Of course, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, you can subscribe and rate it wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, or more. And you can always go to the website as well, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcasts. For me, you can reach out to me, find and follow me on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Mike, go ahead and let everyone know how they can catch up with you on social media and anything else you want to let them know that you have going on. Yeah, just Twitter and Instagram at Mike underscore Yam. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. The football season is in full swing, and while you might not be at the games this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Can USC football come through as a road favorite against Utah? And we just had the NBA draft. Who do you think is going to be the next rookie of the year? If you think you know the answers, those are just a couple of the things you can bet on at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And Mike, the first time you were on the podcast was at the beginning of August when the Pac-12 had just decided to go to a 10-game conference-only schedule with USC opening up against the rival Bruins of UCLA. Shortly after that, the conference followed the lead of the Big Ten and shut down fall sports. Finally, the Pac-12 became the last FBS conference to return to play at the beginning of November with a seven-game conference schedule. So before we get into the details of USC's game versus Arizona, what do you think about the way the Pac-12 has handled everything with football? Yeah, I think, look, I'll start with the positives here. Number one, I love the fact that we got a game on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. I think the worst thing that could have happened was to have teams idle when they can actually go and play. So a lot of different moving parts. Logistically, it was a nightmare to get it done. Kudos to the ADs, kudos to the staff that were able to execute that. And the communication between Justin Wilcox and Chip Kelly, I think that's definitely a win and a good example of how effective communication certainly can can reap the benefits of actually getting a game. I will say, you know, look, am I disappointed that we've had some cancellations? Yeah, of course, just like anyone else. I thought some of this stuff would get mitigated by the daily testing. Clearly, that hasn't been the case. But 
you know, once again, I think it's just sort of the state of the game, Nara. And what we're seeing in a prime example is in SEC country when you have four games over the weekend that don't happen because of COVID and it's happening in a league like that. I think that puts the rest of the country on notice in a lot of ways. And you went through the timeline and, you know, the SEC didn't, didn't flinch. I mean, they've been playing this entire time. So overall, I do think the league has done a pretty good job. I just wish we weren't getting cancellations, which, you know, to be honest with you, Cal deal was just you know, no one's real fault other than local health officials saying, look, it's just not safe to get it done. And whether you agree or not, at the end of the day, that is the protocol. And at least it wasn't coming from the conference. And this was something that was out of their hands. Right. I think a lot of the local jurisdictions have played a big role, especially out here on the West Coast. And of course, USC's opponent this week hasn't even played a game yet. We'll get into that when we preview the matchup between SC and Utah. And Again, with all of the stuff going on, isn't it funny that back in August and before the season, all those football coaches were telling us, like, we got to have football. We got to have these kids in our program so they can stay safe. And we're still getting positive COVID tests. So I think people underestimated yeah. the strength of this virus. Yeah. I mean, look, we're, we're getting numbers right now, Nora, that are larger in terms of the daily contracted virus numbers than we did in April. And that's a scary situation, I think. You know, the positive news is that therapeutics are, are still strong, but we're still talking about a thousand, you know, Americans every single day that are passing away because of this disease. And the vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna, they cannot come fast enough for everyone. You said that right. We can't wait for that. So now let's talk some football. Yeah. Like you mentioned, USC having to come back late with two touchdowns in the final three and a half minutes of the game against Arizona in Tucson to pull out. Another cardiac comeback win. Keaton Slovis, the numbers look good. 30 of 43, 324 yards, a touchdown. But a lot of those throws did not look great. The running game actually came through. Marquis Stepp and Stephen Carr combining for 162 yards on the ground. A touchdown each on just 12 carries each. Amon Ross St. Brown, the leading receiver with 113 yards on seven catches. But a lot of penalties, which was a bugaboo for the Clay Helton system. It seems in these last few years, 11 penalties for 110 yards. And again, not converting on third downs, just 5 of 13. And then stuffed twice again, trying to run up the middle on and one situations. Once was on third, once was on fourth. And then settling for field goals twice after having goal-to-go situations. I mean, it's frustrating for USC fans, as you mentioned. And what do you attribute all of this to? Well, I think there's a lot to unpack there. And I know you mentioned the running game. So I guess that's a good place to start. The situations where you got to get one yard. I mean, if I would have said to USC fan, nor, you know, like 10 years ago, hey, get one yard in a critical moment. It's nothing that you'd flinch at. I mean, this is a team that's been built, you know, in the trenches over the years and the decades. And yet, now, I think Clay Helton's comment about that was like, hey, we're just not built that way. And, you know, and I can see why a USC fan would be frustrated by that. But look, I mean, were you complaining a year ago when this offense was getting up and down the field and Keaton was having just a phenomenal season? And you look at the prospects of a year two in this offense under Graham Harrell and the offensive skill that they have at that wide receiver spot. I think people were salivating, including myself, just thinking like, hey, this offense right now has an opportunity to be one of the best in the entire country. And then lo and behold, we're looking at a Colorado team that's leading the conference in points per game right now, hovering around 40. So I think in a lot of ways, you could chalk it up to COVID or we don't know anything about what to expect until we start seeing some of these things. And it's probably a little bit of both. But 
I get concerned, Nara, about this team in some of those moments. Can they be physical enough up front where those guys coming out of the backfield can run between the tackles? And I think right now, this team is just not built that way. And, you know, if you're frustrated by that, look at the scoreboard and look at the fact that they're 2-0 and and maybe you can pump the brakes on it and you really can hit that cause for concern panic button if they do suffer a loss. You know, I think in a lot of ways, Nara, like teams are still figuring it out right now in this league. Like things that we thought about the conference, I don't know like what's right and what's wrong. I guess Colorado, a good football team, like, yeah, they've played well right now, but you know, their offense, that was their question. The defense was supposed to be pretty good. And yet it's the exact opposite of what we expected. You know, Cal gets their butt kicked, but I mean, God, they went like what, 14 days of basically not being able to practice with right. their new line. Like how good could they possibly look in a game like that? Davis Mills, like if Stanford really an 0-2 football team? Yeah, I mean, that, there's that famous line, obviously, you are what your record is, but I don't know. Davis Mills doesn't play in the opener, and then he goes, you know, basically without practice until a Thursday before that game, and you know, David Shaw's not one to make excuses, and he's talking about how there's some issues there. And look, the 50,000-foot view, I think an FC fan who's listening to the show right now goes, yeah, but Mike, you know, we haven't had those moments. Keaton Slovis has been able to play, and, you know, we haven't had a cancellation so far. And I can't argue that point, but I do see some slow starts from Oregon. I think they're trending in the right direction. And I think there's a little bit of the unknown right now. I think just be happy with the wins right now. And let's just sort of like take a deep breath and see where things go over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, in terms of those runs, it's tough when you're in an air raid system that doesn't go from under center. So it's yeah. always going to be from shotgun. And Good that point. just puts you at a disadvantage in those situations to begin with, just based on the offense. And this is what the offense is. So I think, though, you maybe have to call some different plays if those aren't working. Now, Keaton Slovis, a lot of those throws are coming out ugly. Some fluttering, some just outright ducks. Do you think there's something still wrong with his arm after he got hurt in that Holiday Bowl game? Or is it just, like he says, I just got to work on my mechanics? Yeah, I don't think it's a mechanic issue. I'll be honest with you. I never, I've talked to a couple of people about this. You know, do some of the passes look like they're lacking some zip? There's no question. I would agree with that. I'm not going to deny that, that assertion. You know, taking it a step further though, like Keaton Slovis to me is not a quarterback where I'd sit there and I go, oh my God, absolute cannon fastball for an arm. And it's not to say that he can't be, you know, a good quarterback, but I don't know if that's the first attribute that I would give as like an A++ for Keaton Slovis on the checklist to begin with. So while, yes, I see what you're seeing, and I think people are talking about that, to me, Keaton Slovis's acumen, his ability to not make many mistakes, put his team in a position to win and make those critical throws. I mean, that Jake London pass for the touchdown that game winner against ASU, like that, that's a freaking dime, man. Like there's not many guys in our conference that have been able to consistently make passes like that. So I'll give him credit for a throw like that. But you're right, like it does look as if there's a little bit of velocity issue right now for Eden, and maybe it is a lingering injury issue right now. But I think if you go across the board and you ask every quarterback, you ask every skill position player, like there's aches and pains, and granted it's week two, but not a normal regime, regimen, I should say, for getting ready for the season. I don't know if it's an elbow, maybe it's a shoulder, but I would imagine there's some players right now. I mean, hell, week one, Washington State didn't play with 32 of their guys. And, you know, we're finding out it's not COVID related. So maybe it's some soft tissue injury. So I think there's factors like that that also make this year hard to get a full grasp on why guys look the way that they look. 
Yeah. And like you said, that pass to London and a few of his passes when they've been really needed have been on target. It's just that for the majority of the game, he just doesn't look right. So we'll see going forward again. It just might be 2020 rearing its ugly head and he'll progress as the season progresses. Quickly on the defense, Talano Hufanga gets that big interception on the very first drive of the game, but then a deep thigh bruise keeps him out for most of the first half. He comes back to play in the second half, isn't quite as effective. Marlon Tuipilotu, though, looks great through two games so far, again leading the Trojans in tackles against the Wildcats. And then Drake Jackson, the sophomore, coming up big, two sacks, including one to basically seal it at the end. But the defense, too, kind of hit and miss. What do you think of the new Todd Orlando defense so far? Look, I think overall, I think he's doing a good job. You know, I've gone back and forth on this, Nora. Like, I think we're having the normal conversations right now that we would have every other year. I think the one big difference is like 2020, it's such an outlier. And I've gone back and forth. I do a show on Sirius XM radio on Pac-12 radio and Guy Haberman, who does a ton of games in the conference for Pac-12 network. He had said this a couple weeks ago and I've come around to this. It's not like, Hey, I don't care about these results, but it's hard to really take something away meaningfully that you understand like, how a team can perform. And I'm probably not saying this as eloquently as I would like and trying to make this point, but you know, I spent so much time going, damn, I wish there were seven games or more than seven games. And I wish, you know, that would put us in a position to be in a college football playoff. But, you know, we're getting these cancellations and not just the Pac-12, but we're seeing it in other conferences like the SEC. And I sit there and I go, you know what? I'm just happy we're getting football games. And maybe that's not the right approach, but I don't want to go through, you know, sort of the synopsis because I, I made reference to it a little bit earlier, but teams and expectations that I had heading into the season, like I either don't know anything or this is such an outlier year that it's almost impossible to really get a grasp on things. And, you know, it's almost like a free year is how I can look at it. And I know USC fans are not going to look at it that way because, you know, they were the pick right now in that division, certainly on the short list of teams that could win the championship this year. And, And I still think they can. I think they need to get more physical. I think they need to be more effective in the red zone can't find themselves in the holes that they're finding themselves in and and needing, you know, these big rallies late. I get all of those things, but, you know, from a Todd Orlando defense right now, he didn't get the normal time to get the install. You know, God only knows how many times he was on a Zoom meeting and, you know, things were crashing and not really sure if guys were grasping it. I think all in all, it's been pretty darn good, you know, all things considered. And I think you need to Take a step back. I think all football fans do and just say, you know what? Like, if it's not what I thought it was going to be, there's probably some good reasons for that. Yeah. And Mike, that is actually a good segue into this next thing, which is the weekly Helton hot seat scale poll. I put it on Twitter after every (laughs) game. See what the pulse of Trojan fans is regarding the head coach, Clay Helton. Obviously, I am not advocating either way. I just want to see what everyone's thinking. So, It's based on four chili peppers, the hottest, the Carolina Reaper, followed by the ghost pepper, the habanero, and cayenne. In week one, the leader was Carolina Reaper with 50% of the vote. It once again takes the lead after game number two with 57% of the vote. Ghost pepper in at 14%. Habanero, (laughs) which didn't get any votes in the first week, gets 29%. And then cayenne, which had a couple of votes in week one, is shut out this week. So again... Trojan fans aren't necessarily thrilled, I don't think, with how things are going. And I think we everyone knew that Clay Helton's on a perpetual hot seat. I think, though, it's probably lessened by the fact that 2020 is a crazy year. I, I mean, he might be getting the free pass because of it being a pandemic, right? 
Yeah. And I know this is a conversation that has come up for a while. I'm just going to call spade a spade here. I'm glad SC kept Coach Helton. I'm glad the team is 2-0 and right now. You know, I think number one, I think it's easy to say, hey, like, you know, God doesn't deserve his job. Okay. Like, not for nothing, but, you know, the team's recruiting has been better. And I know he got kind of slammed on that, you know, but as things kind of finished out, that early signing period looked one way. It was a small class. Things did get better for this ball club. They still are 2-0. and you know, can you imagine what you're, and I'm embarrassed now that I don't have a better handle on like the spiciness of the pepper. So I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing where Trojan fans are at right now, but you know, can you imagine if they were one and one or oh and two right now? Like, you know, kind of the threshold and what the response would be in that situation. I mean, SC and Clay knows this, always going to be under the gun, always pressure. Pac-12 championships are expected. National championships, you know, being in that mix is something that that fan base expects to see from this football team so you know if that's your barometer okay yeah i get it but i do think that there's something to be said for the moves that clay helton made whether it was bringing in graham harrell which couldn't have been an easy thing for him making the decision to go from clint spendergast now to todd orlando like to me he's making some moves and i don't think there's any chance that well i shouldn't say that i was gonna that's probably taking it too far i think right now to talk about clay helton being on a hot seat. I'm just, I'm not there. They're undefeated right now through two weeks in a COVID era. And they've, look, ASU, I still think is a good football team. And then you go on the road for the first time, you know, maybe that game shouldn't have been as close as it was, but you know, SC's playing down a competition a little bit too. They are the more talented team of the two squads and, you know, potentially get a tough test this week. Hopefully we get a game. Yeah, Mike, I think that's the big issue is that it seems that SC has always been playing to the level of the opposition and every team is in it with SC going into the fourth quarter, it seems. And that's what has everyone frustrated. But again, we'll see what happens going forward. Again, you are listening to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today is... Mike Yam of the NFL Network, formerly of the Pac-12 Network, of course. And if you enjoy listening to the show, you can subscribe and rate it wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and more. Or go to the website Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, at Believe Podcasts. For me, I am on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G. Sports, Mike, let everyone know how they can reach out to you. Yeah, on Twitter and Instagram pretty much is kind of the, the social channels that I'm most on. The same handle for both, at Mike underscore Yam. It actually, as I'm giving that Twitter and Instagram handle, I'm disappointed that someone else just grabbed Mike Yam. The fact that I got to throw the underscore in there is now starting to, to really resonate with me as we're having this conversation. <laughs> someone beat you to it, man. I know, I know. I'm Sam Farber, host of USC Trojans Wrap-Up on the USC Trojans Radio Network, and you're listening to the Everything USC Podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Podcast Network. And now, Mike, let's talk about the game. Coming up for the Trojans this weekend, they're going to take a trip to Salt Lake City, Utah to face the Utes. It's going to be the Utes' first game after their first two games were canceled due to COVID-19 issues among the team. It's going to be Pac-12 After Dark on ESPN, 7.30 Pacific, 8.30 local time in the Mountain Time Zone. Of course, it's also going to be broadcast on the Trojan Radio Network, the flagship station KABC, 7.90 AM. 
Utah won the Pac-12 South last year with an 8-1 conference record, went 11-3 overall. 16th year for head coach Kyle Whittingham, who is the longest tenured coach in the conference, has a sterling 131 wins over those 16 years. USC does lead the all-time series 12-6, 5-3 since Utah joined the conference, but they're just 2-4 all-time in Salt Lake, including losing the last three. Last year's game, of course, a classic Friday night showdown between the Trojans and the Utes, where Matt Fink had to enter the game for an injured Slovis and ended up throwing for 351 yards and three touchdowns. Michael Pittman Jr. had a ridiculous 12 catches, 232 yards, and a big touchdown catch. And again, this is going to be the first game for Utah. They lose a lot of key players. Almost all of their starters on defense seem to be NFL draft picks. They lost Zach Moss and quarterback Tyler Huntley on offense. What do you see out of this Utes squad? Boy, just a complete unknown, right? I mean, I think there's, number one, we've already seen some surprises at quarterback, right? Like Jimmy Lake going with Dylan Morris. He kept that under wraps. Utah has done a really good job here. But I think, one, I hope this game happens. And it looks like Utah is trending in the right direction in terms of COVID cases. But I know, keep in mind, this goes back to the original point that I was making before about sort of like this unknown, like Utah is a physical football team, but A, I don't know about quarterback play. I don't know about replacements from a defense from a season ago that was an absolute juggernaut. There's some familiar faces and you give Kyle Whittingham the benefit of the doubt. The problem is they've gone days where they haven't been able to practice. Some of the days that they have been able to practice, you're talking about walk-ons that have had to take meaningful snaps that are there. They're creeping closer to getting less quarantine players and get more of those guys back, having to worry and rely less on walk-ons in practice. So to me, that's a good thing. But I'd be lying if I said to you I had a good sense of what the heck we can expect in this football game. What I can tell you is I will be disappointed if USC needs to score 14 points late in a, in a ball game again in a fourth quarter in order to pull this thing out. There's too many unknowns right now surrounding this Utah team to the point where I feel like, you know, SC's got an advantage, man. They've played two games. They know what this deal is like right now. And I know Utah wants to get out onto the football field, but there's a little bit of an advantage from a talent perspective SC has. And just from an idea of like, hey, what's it going to be like playing inside of a stadium that doesn't have fans? Like they've experienced that now. I think those are some of those subtle advantages. And the big ones, obviously, are the ones that Utah has had to go through in terms of getting their numbers right. So SC, I would be disappointed if they don't win this football game. Yeah, it was thought that that'd be an advantage for SC last week, Arizona playing its first game, and it sure didn't seem that way. But like you mentioned, the quarterback position as we record this on a Tuesday is still kind of up in the air. They've got three guys listed on the depth chart as all possibilities. Jake Bentley, the grad transfer from South Carolina, Drew Lisk, the former walk-on in the program, and then a transfer from Texas, Cameron Rising. And then, of course, to replace Zach Moss, you got junior running back Devin Brumfield. He actually ran for a career-high 63 yards in the game against SC last year when Moss had to leave with an injury. And you also have sophomore Jordan Wilmore, who's probably going to share some carries with Brumfield. Receiving core is not bad. You've got Britton Covey, the all-purpose star, 2,332 all-purpose yards in his career, a Paul Horning Award watch list guy for the most versatile player in college football. 
And then Brian Thompson led the team with over 25 and a half yards per catch last year, had three touchdowns, and then a really good tight end core led by Brant Cathy. He led the team with 602 yards receiving last year, also had six touchdowns. Again, another solid team of guys coming back on offense. I think the real thing is on defense with all those guys who have gone on and who's coming back. You have Mika Tafua is going to be the only defensive line guy coming back. At linebacker, you've got Devin Lloyd, the leading tackler from last year, only returning starter. And then in the secondary, I mean, there's going to be a couple of freshmen starting. All these guys really don't have a lot of playing time. So it's going to be, like you said, hard to really say what you're going to see out of this Utah squad. But again, you know it's Kyle Winningham. You know it's going to be a well-coached team. And the weather could be a concern as well. It's going to be late at night. There could be some weather issues up in Salt Lake. So it could be a little bit of a messy game, possibly. Yeah, I think there's a part of that. And, you know, you went through some of the personnel that's there. Number one, I would tell you, you know, watching this team a season ago, I agree with you. There's some guys that are coming back that can help. One, can the replacement for Tyler at that quarterback spot be able to limit mistakes? Now, I think that quarterback room, and you mentioned some of the names, probably the best it's as a whole, collectively, that's been there since Kyle Whittingham has been there. And it's been a quarter century he's been with that program as head coach and previously as a coordinator. So I think that says a lot about what could be replacing him. And I'm less concerned even without some of the familiar faces on defense. You know, that's Kyle's side of the field there. You know, they've had a lot of offensive coordinators, but, you know, Kyle's got his hands written, fingertips all over that team's defense. They'll be ready to play. They'll definitely be ready. All right. So now it's going to be that time where we put our medal on the line with our predictions. To recap from last week, I had Frosty Rucker on as my guest. And in the players that we believed in, I took Talanoa Hufanga. He took Isaiah Polamau. I think you can agree that I win that battle with the INT by Hufunga. <laughs> and then Polamau, he did have five tackles, only one more than Hufunga, and got beat a couple times over the top. So I'll take that win there. In the game score, I had 34-21 SC. Frosty had a big 42-17 SC. So again, with the actual 34-30 score, I'll take that win there as well. And in the prop bet, I had, for Nara's no doubter, three sacks by the USC defense. I actually shortchanged SC by one. They ended up with four, so I don't get it because you got to nail those prop bet picks on the head. And then Frosty's cold hard truth thought was going to be the easiest pick of all, Keaton Slovis, to get three plus TD passes, and he only ended up with one. Right. So yeah, I take right. it 2-0 over Frosty. On the season now, I'm 4-0 over my guest. Pete Arbogast went 0-2 against me in week number one. So Mike, it's going to be your turn now, beginning with the players we believe in, who's going to be the best Trojan on the day. I am going to go with Marquis Stepp. I think he showed something in game number two. I think he's going to get the bulk of the carries. And again, it might be sloppy weather. Maybe Slovis can't really throw in those conditions. I'm going to go with Marquis Stepp to be the player I believe in for SC. Who do you got? Well, I think you and I are kind of on the same page. And I thought, you know, Nara, not for nothing, man, being a guest on your show, I thought I would have gotten first pick. And maybe because you are picking first is why you're dominating some of your, 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 your guests that are popping on the show here. No, I'm messing around. But, you know, step I'm with you there. I do think there's going to be a heavy dose of the running attack. So if you're going to take step, I'll take car. And obviously it was a nice balance attack that they had against Arizona. So I'll lean there. I would have gone step initially. I would have loved to would say, you know, an, an Amara who I do think will, he's got the potential to have a big game, but 
a lot of weapons there at the wide receiver spot. You mentioned the weather and being a potential factor that's there. So give me the running game, but this is not a ground and pound offense here. So as much as I feel somewhat confident of our picks, you know, there is a world that exists where the air attack maybe gets it done and we just don't anticipate it. Well, you might be more confident than I am. I'm not confident at all, but I'm still going with that. (laughs) And because I take the first pick on the players that we believe in, I'm going to give you the first pick on the game score. What do you got for that? You know, I actually think it's going to be a relatively low scoring game. Let's go 24-17 Trojans. All right. So 24-17 USC is Mike's pick for the score the game and just for entertainment purposes as of now USC is a three-point favorite on the road up in Salt Lake at Rice Eccles Stadium. I thought long and hard about this Mike and I'm probably going to anger some people but just the way that USC is played the fact that Utah is such an unknown and this being 2020 I'm going to pick Utah to keep the string alive of wins at Salt Lake against USC and make it four straight I'm going to say 23-17 Utah. There you go. There you go. Okay. I'm not thrilled about that choice. But again, I'm going to pick what I think is going to happen. So listen, Trojan fans, I don't want the USC team to lose. I just am picking what I think is going to happen. So that's what we're going with there. And then in our prop bet, Nara's no doubter this week is... Because I'm picking USC to lose, I'm going to say three turnovers by the Trojans. And that's what's going to help lead to a USC loss. Three turnovers by the Trojans is Nara's no doubter. What do you have and what are you calling your prop bet? I'll tell you this on your prop bet. If they have three turnovers, I'm with you. I think Utah will win that football game. That's the one thing you can say about what happened against Arizona, right? No turnovers in that particular matchup. They got to be better on third down. That to me is going to be huge. What I'm going to call it. So I'm not the most creative guy and I'm usually not a prop bet guy in general. So this will just be like yammer yammering about what could happen. Are we cool with that as a title? Yammer yammering. All right. I'll go with that. Yammer yammering about what could happen. I'm going to go SC will not score 14 points in the fourth quarter this week against the Utah defense. I feel like that's been a little bit of a magic number late in these ball games for him. So I, I will go that that is not going to happen. That to me is as much of a lock as I would anticipate. Now, I want to get a little more specific. Are you going to say that they're going to score less or more? Is there? I'll or... go less. Okay. I'm going to go less. I'm going to go less. Thank you for you know holding my feet to the fire there. Yeah, I'll go less. Yeah, I think most of the damage comes earlier in the game. And for once, they're not going to need some of the dramatics. And I think that might squash some of the conversation that we're hearing about the way this team is trending. All right. So to recap our predictions, the players we believe in, I'm going with Marquis Stepp. Mike is going to go with Stephen Carr. So we agree on the position. We'll take in different guys there. For the game score, I'm going with the controversial Utah win by 23-17. Mike has almost the exact same score, but for USC, 24-17. And in our prop bet, Nara's no doubter is that USC will commit three turnovers. Yammer Yammerin is going to go with USC scoring less than 14 points in the fourth quarter. And again, these are just for entertainment purposes only. What you choose to do with them is up to you. We are not responsible for any real bets that may be made based on what we're saying. So that is that. 
Again, if you're enjoying listening to the Everything USC podcast, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, or TuneIn. Go to the website, Believe.com as well, B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, at Believe Podcasts. I am on Twitter. Find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. My guest today, Mike Yam of the NFL Network. Where can they catch up with you? On Twitter, at Mike underscore Yam, and the same exact handle on Instagram. And real quickly, before I let you go, it's amazing, but basketball season is just about to start. And again, there's still some, I guess, unknowns with what the schedule exactly is going to be. I know the Pac-12 announced what its schedule for the conference games are. going to be starting in December. They're going to a 20-game conference schedule this year. Hopefully, again, we'll be able to get all those games played. When you look at USC's basketball roster, obviously Onyeka Okongwu is about to become an NBA lottery draft pick by the time this show is out. And so there's a new hotshot freshman, Evan Mobley, brother of Isaiah Mobley, the number two recruit in the nation, comes in for probably a one-and-done season at USC. A bunch of grad transfers as well on the roster for USC. No Elijah Weaver, he transferred out, lost the seniors, Nick Rakosevich and Jonah Matthews. So what do you see out of this USC men's basketball team? You know, I was sort of surprised. I think it might have been, you know, sort of middle of the pack in the preseason media poll. You know, when you talk about a highly thought of guy that usually tips the scales in your favor. So a little surprised to see where they were ranked, but then I look at point guard play and you know, Ethan Anderson had some moments last year. I think Andy, you know, he's got some firepower. He's got some star power. But the league's depth, I think, is going to be an issue this year. I think you need to be – average not going to get it done in a season like this one. I mean, I look at an Oregon team that I think is going to be dangerous. ASU has got a loaded squad right now. Stanford, I think, is going to be a real threat. Arizona, we might not be as familiar with those names. But, man, they have pulled some kids from overseas. So, you know, I think the top of the league is pretty good. I'm actually really excited to see Mobley on the floor. There's been so much hype about what he can bring to this USC team. And here in the same exact thing, one and done type situation there, we'll find out how much of a difference maker he can be. Basketball, you're that good. You can carry a squad. Yeah, I think obviously it's going to be based on how good Evan Mobley is and how much did Isaiah Mobley and Ethan Anderson and Max Agbonpolo improve from their freshman year. And then these grad transfers that all came in. Taj Edie from Santa Clara, Chavez Goodwin from Wofford, Isaiah White from Utah Valley, and then not a grad transfer, just a sophomore from Long Beach State in his freshman year, the Big West Defensive Player of the Year, Joshua Morgan decided to up his game and come to the Pac-12 and play for USC. So you're really incorporating a lot of new guys and how Andy Enfield and his staff can put it all together in, again, a crazy pandemic year will be very telling to see how good USC is going to do because SC looked like it was going to make the tournament last season and now that all got thrown away by the pandemic and we'll see what they can do in 2020-2021. Mike, always great talking to you about USC and the Pac-12, man. Pleasure being on with you, man. I really appreciate you having me on again.
So for my guest, Mike Yam, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 15 of the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in LA and so much more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as I end every show, please remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.